Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Today we are talking about early childhood positive discipline and parenting. So if you have a kid between the age of birth or 11, you're going to want to listen to this. I love my guest. Her name is Julietta Skoog and she's a certified positive discipline advanced trainer with an EDS degree in school psychology and a master's degree in school counseling. She has over 20 years of experience helping families in schools and home. Julietta draws from her real life practical experience, working with thousands of students with a variety of needs and her own three children to parent coaching, bringing a unique ability to translate research, child development, and positive discipline principles into everyday parenting solutions. Her popular keynote speeches, classes, and workshops have been described as rejuvenating, motivating, and inspiring. And I have to say, I actually met Julietta, this is funny, at a New Year's Eve party, gathering something at one of our very good friend's houses, Cheryl. 
we were sitting around as we do, basically pulling angel cards for the new year. And Cheryl brought them out. I do angel cards every year. Cheryl was the first person who uh, introduced me to them. So we were sitting right next to each other, chatting about all the things and discovered that I had already done a podcast interview with one of her partners on parenting teens and tweens without the drama, which was fantastic with her partner, Casey. I'll link to it in the show notes. And she was talking about how she is the early childhood sort of partner in the work that they do. And I personally have a lot of clients who have young children between the ages of birth and 11. I know it is challenging to parent young kids. I know you don't have the support you need. And when you are trying to stop drinking, it's really important to minimize triggers. And some of that is just the way you live with the children in your household, your kids' frustrations, how to create that harmonious home and positive relationship. So that was a big intro, but Julietta, welcome. Thank you, Casey. I'm so happy to just have this time to hang out. It was so funny meeting New Year's Eve at this party and making all of those connections. It was like all these dots, right, got connected. (laughs) And we were like, wait a minute, you're the Casey? Wait a minute. I think I was like, oh, you've got to um, interview my friend or you should be on my friend's podcast or my partner's podcast. And I was like, oh, I already know her. We totally met. I've interviewed her. This was great. And that episode was all about parenting teens and tweens without the drama. But I actually haven't done an episode on younger kids. And it was absolutely on my list because I try to address all the things that women encounter that are that are difficult for them. I think a lot of times we drink because it's just a maladaptive coping strategy or a way to release that then becomes increasingly problematic because the substance is addictive and around us all the time and creates anxiety and depression. But in the beginning, we think it's a solution to very real challenges in life. Right. Well, and we talk, we say in positive discipline that often the behavior that we see at the tip of the iceberg is a solution to a problem that we don't see. And so for when you're just starting out as a pattern in parenthood, it is stressful. It is a long day. It's relentless, you know? And so it makes sense that there would be some sort of a quick fix or like an easy, you know, coping short term at the surface that really is the solution to a bigger problem, which is that like parenting is really hard. You know, it is super stressful and totally opens up, like unlocks super, super deep stuff about us as children, the inner child within us, the way that we are parented. I mean, it just like totally cracks our heart wide open, you know, puts our insides on the outside. So it is, yeah, it's real. And I so appreciate Casey. I just have to say, I, after meeting, then I got to listen to your podcast and listen to your, you being interviewed on Casey's and you're so relatable and your stories are so judgment free and real. And just the way that you share like the normalcy of like, well, it was long day at work. You know, I'm in like the corporate environment or like all those things are real or, and, and the world that we live in, the fishbowl that we live in, the water that we swim in here that makes it so accessible and, and a quick fix. So I just really appreciate your podcast, the work that you're putting out 
to everyone, the support that you're giving and um, the way that you really make it accessible to so many, so many people. Thank you so much. I love meeting you. And I think that when you meet people, and I know listeners are going to relate to this, like you immediately like pick up on other people's energy and are like, oh my God, we need to talk more. And so that's how I felt about you when we met. So we definitely need to hang out more often. We both live in Seattle, which is super cool. But to dive in, I know, I mean, my God, you've got all this experience but you also are a parent to three girls. They're 14, 11, and five. So you have both experienced, you know, the reality of parenting and have all this experience working with a huge variety of kids and a huge variety of parents. Yeah, I'm definitely in the trenches. That's for sure. And I think, um, you know, one of the biggest I don't know if it was an ego boost or, or a wake up call or what it was, was actually having worked with so many students for so long, having all these degrees, feeling like I knew everything there was to know. And then I actually have my first baby and I am totally rocked. I mean, she was colicky. It was so hard. It's hard physically. It's hard emotionally. I had to go back to work when she was 11 weeks. I still felt like I was so postpartum. Like, I mean, there's so many things that are that are going on. And then suddenly they get into those twos and those threes and they're pushing back and there's the power struggles. And then maybe you have another one that's come along at that point too. So then you're also juggling a newborn and lack of sleep, which is so real and it's super stressful. So frankly, I was really grateful to have the framework of positive discipline, the foundation of positive discipline. I had been using it in schools. I came really right out of the gate from my training within school psychology and school counseling, also being introduced to positive discipline. So I had a really strong foundation. It's firmly rooted in Adlerian psychology. So it's not just a set of books written by Jane Nelson, who happened to have seven kids and was like, this is what works for me. It really is deeply rooted in Adlerian psychology, which comes from a place of understanding behavior. You know, it's really like, how do we unlock the code of what behavior means, whether it's a baby that's crying or a two-year-old that's whining or a five-year-old that's, you know, destroying the house or an eight-year-old that's rolling their eyes and stomping away. You know, I mean, really it's understanding that all behavior is a form of communication and that all human beings are driven by a need for significance and belonging and significance, meaning I matter, I can contribute and belonging, meaning I'm connected to others. And the neuroscience around that, the child development, you know, world really aligns with that as well, where these young kids are developmentally wired to have autonomy, to push boundaries, to seek, you know, like, what are the rules to also discover things for themselves? I mean, that's how the brain grows, you know, to really like explore and test and try it again and try it in this, you know, different way. And then simultaneously, they're socially wired, you know, they learn and grow through attachment and through relationship. And so I just felt really grateful to have a lot of that as a framework. It didn't mean that I did it perfectly, or my kids are perfect, but in quite the opposite, you know, in fact, it actually freed me to accept there's going to be all these challenges, always. You know, I could come in with all this experience. I even, my husband's a teacher. He's like, has the patience of a saint. I mean, even within all that, there still is going to be this list of challenges. So that's really what positive discipline gave me was like my own little 
lab at home, you know, um, in order to really test out all of these tools in real life, you know, and I can confidently say that, that the shift from just controlling everything, you know, making everybody be perfect, having my kids just hurry up and get through the routine and get through the day, like the shift from that to embracing the messiness, embracing that the challenges are all opportunities to teach these incredible list of life skills that every single one of my parents and teachers that come through my programs have. Everyone has the same list, same list that I do. You know, There's some variation, of course, but we all want our kids to, you know, ultimately when they're 25, be responsible and independent and healthy and have healthy relationships and healthy coping skills and be flexible and have critical thinking skills and problem solving skills and strong communication skills, you know, all these things. And so when we can start to really zoom out, like take our ego out of it, like not get caught up in the muck, I like to say, but really embrace it as this this time and this like sweet vulnerability, especially that our young children have to learn these life skills, you know, through these moments. And discipline, I think, is a word that can be really tricky and really triggering for parents in and of itself because either of the way that we were raised or we we think of it as punishment or an a verb. We've got to discipline our yeah. kids. It's that verb, you know, what and the authority piece. And so some of those triggers are coming in like you can't talk to me like that or you can't do, you know, so, but discipline comes from Latin root disciplinary, which means to teach. And so that's the gift that our kids give us is this opportunity for us to be leaders. You know, our greatest teachers are people who are inspiring and hold us accountable and are funny and bring their whole authentic self. And so kids give us that chance to really reparent and grow ourselves. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about us. You know, you want to change your kids, look at yourself first, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so, so much. Uh, I had so many thoughts and questions when you were going through that. The first one, is it right to say like early childhood positive discipline or is it early childhood positive parenting? Like what's, what's the right one? Yeah, that's a great question. I just was talking about this on a, um, on another podcast, actually just so, po- so here's how I, de- here's how I describe it, you know, and I'm, like I said, I've been in the positive discipline world for a really long time. I like to, I think I need to stop counting because it actually freaks me out when I think yeah. about how long I've been doing this kind of stuff. I think of positive discipline as a book on the shelf of, or a big umbrella within the positive parenting world. So there's all kinds of names there's and movements that are, that are rooted from certain people, right? That have written the books or created the programs. So there's Conscious parenting, for example, positive discipline, positive parenting. It's all this umbrella, mindful parenting. Positive discipline itself is its own book on the shelf. It's rooted in that Adlerian psychology. It's a series of books that are written by Jane Nelson, Lynn Lott, and other authors. Positive discipline for parents with special needs, positive discipline for, you know, single parents, positive discipline for the teenagers, positive discipline in the Muslim world, like all and or at home. So there's, you know, all these different books within positive discipline. And what I like about positive discipline is it actually is the only one that also has a program for schools also. And so there's a bridge, you know, that bridge and that common language for teachers and for parents really 
supports this idea that it is a village. It's all of these grownups in the child's life, you know, for how we're raising our kids. But the big movement is around the shift away from punitive, violent, controlling, coercive behavior that we now know through research in neuroscience and psychological research is not helpful. You know, it might get kids to do things short term, but it doesn't help them in the long term. And it doesn't, you know, the long term impacts of that um, are, are, are real, you know, so it's really this movement away from that. But I think where it gets tricky is that then p- people are like, okay, well, I know I don't want to do that. I don't want to speak my kids, you know, but maybe it's okay then to isolate them, to yell at them in their face and put them in a, put, have them sit on a naughty stool. Isn't that okay? You know, it's not what they do on TV. Like, so then, then they're like, well, that doesn't feel good either. So then there's a swing. There's like this moment as you jump off that one trapeze bar to the other one where it's like, well, okay, I'm just going to be really nice. I'll just be super positive. You know, if I just show up in a really good mood, you know, and like super happy all the time, they'll just follow along like ducklings. Yeah. So I like Mary Poppins. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy. But one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. Well, and I will, I'll actually, I'll, I could write a whole essay on Mary Poppins because I will say she actually has, brings a lot of firmness, you know, and that's, I do reference her as a great example of positive discipline because positive discipline is not just being positive. It's being highly connected Uh and, and firm at the same time. So the connected part is I see you. It's present. For me, the connected part is understanding brain and child development. It's getting through the, through their eyes, looking at the way that they are seeing this scenario here. You know, it's the perspective of through their eyes. How is this little three year old viewing this moment Mm -hmm. while you're holding this baby? You know, how, how are they seeing this? So we say that kids are good perceivers and poor interpreters. So they, pick up on everything. They make their own little interpretations that drive a belief system that then drives a behavior. You know, they make that decision that drives that belief and behavior. So when we can start to shift those interpretations for them, we can, when we can get into it from their perspective, instead of just trying to like control and stop, you know, and shape behavior, when we can really get it from that angle, so positive discipline, you know, has that connection and firmness at the same time. And so I think where it can get a little muddy for parents is they're like, okay, I got it. Like, I want to be conscious. I want to be, 
in the moment, you know, but like they've got to brush their teeth. We've got to get out of the house on time. Like we've got to get, you know, to sleep or like they can't just scream in the middle of a restaurant, you know, or like say a bunch of cuss words and say, I hate you and walk away from the dinner table. Like where does that come in? So that's what I really appreciate about positive discipline is it really does lay out like connection and firmness at the same time. So the connection is the presence, the love, the unconditional, like I will always love you. To me, the firmness is the systems. It's solution focused. It is the accountability. It is the follow through, you know, with mutual respect. It's with mutual respect. We don't have to, you know, yell right back at them and roll our eyes and can't be so incredulous that they messed up, you know, when they're like five. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're still learning. They're still practicing. So a lot of what I teach, I teach in conjunction with Dan Siegel's work, who is a psychiatrist down at UCLA. And he wrote Whole Brain Child and No Drama Discipline. And his partner, Tina um, Bryson, is amazing. She's a school counselor, PhD. She co-wrote a lot of the books with him as well. And so they come at it from just the neuroscience perspective. And I think a lot of my work that's really helpful for parents is bridging those two and helping parents teach their children and regulate how to regulate together, how to learn the brain, how to really be empowered by where the brains are, what's happening within the fight or flight system, the limbic region, the prefrontal cortex, recognizing when lids get flipped, and then really having a solid system for how to get it back and what to do once it's regathered. Because I think especially for a lot of your listeners, it's that moment that things go sideways. You know, it's like when the lid has flipped, the mirror neurons that are happening with a child's brain, it's we reflect that those emotions. Yeah. It's called the security guard. That's kind of that gatekeeper within that limbic region that's saying, not safe, not safe, not safe. So then boom, we go into that fight or flight response. And that deep autonomic system that's like, goes into survival mode. And what are we going to do in order just to survive this moment? You know, so having, especially for young kids, you know, really having that firmness of the follow through and the routine and the safety and the predictability of this kind of a practice that really settles the nervous system over and over and over again, not to stay super Zen and Buddha all the time, but so that when the lid flips and we regather, right, that there is this sense of like, a fire alarm that we know what to do, a fire drill. Like we know what door we're going out of, you know, we're not like, I don't know, should we get out of the house or not? You know, it's like, nope, this is what we do. And let's flip. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. And I can imagine that doing this work around positive discipline, it would be really helpful to get buy-in from your partner. I mean, I know that my husband, Mike and I are mostly aligned, but I definitely, you know, he gets frustrated much more easily than I do. He would say that I'm pretty um relaxed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, eh, it's not a big deal. You know, like, I don't know, having giving a kid a phone at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, dude, I want to sit here and have a conversation with you. I don't want to like shovel my food and run out because the kid's about to lose it. And he's like embarrassed. And you can tell me that I'm wrong or he's wrong. It'll be good. I, well, of course, I would never say who is right or wrong. I mean, I think what, oh, what's, Dan, you wrong, 
I'm like, no. Uh, what are you going to be like? Mike's going to be like, come on, Juliana, take my side. No, I'll tell you what. I'll actually say, like, I would say neither, you know, and, and the, because here's what I, what I love about positive discipline is it's about intentional parenting. You know, it's about saying, here are the things. And here's the awesome thing, Casey, is it's everyone gets to decide. There's no one way there, whether you have the phone in the, at the restaurant or you're sleeping with your nine-year-old still like, or whatever it literally, unless it's a problem for you, that's it. You get to decide, you know, of like what matters for you. It goes back to that life skills of like, what's important for you? What are the values in your family? So one of the ways that I help partners get on the same page is creating that list. Like imagine your two kiddos who are so cute, by the way. I love that I got to meet them. And I also <laughs> love that it was New Year's Eve where I got to watch you walk your talk in what could have been the most like triggering night oh. I can imagine, you know, for humans. And I just love that you really like modeled that so beautifully for me. You for like funny, my first year would have been really, really tough. I mean, I'm seven years in. It was like literally I brought my six pack of athletic brewing company. I was like going along. It actually cracks me up sometimes and because we didn't know each other. And I think you was like, oh, what do you do? And I, you know, of course, everyone is holding their wide, right? Yeah. I do like yeah. three of the people in the circle of eight. And I was like, yeah, actually, I'm a sober coach. And everyone, whether they drink a lot or don't drink a lot, like immediately looks at their glass of whatever alcohol they have. And it's like, oh, okay. Like either they try to put it away or they're like, I actually don't like, they feel like they need to tell me how much they drink oh, how often. And I'm sure they try to like, just really absolve them. Like explain the entire situation. Oh yeah. Everybody tells I, me all about their drinking. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like I yeah. And also you're like, I'm off the clock. Can I just have like, a- I'm off the clock. You know, what's funny. I'm at a state basketball tournament. I told you this earlier for my son and he got pulled up to the varsity and they're like, like eight seniors on the team. All that is to say, he's a freshman. I don't know the parents that well. You know what I mean? Like they've been a group for four years and they are super, super nice. But of course, I mean, I think they know what I do, right? I mean, I'm sure over the course of various seasons, they've asked and I've told and I'm, I'm obviously super out. I have a podcast, whatever. Um, But so we were sitting around after they would their first game in Bilba overtime. So it's like midnight. We're at a burger place, you know, in Yakima, which is no offense to anyone here, like a very small town. And there's not a lot going on, but there are a lot of wineries around. And I know this because I used to come to this area on my anniversaries to go wine tasting. And like there's almost nothing else. And so I asked one of the mods, I was like, hey, what are you guys going to do tomorrow? And she was like, and I didn't, it wasn't like I was looking for a friend to hang out with. Like I had a podcast to record. And she's like, I don't know, probably drink all day. And I laughed. And then she immediately like had that moment. And she was like, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I was like, dude, I don't give a shit. They're great wineries. I could recommend one to you. You know what I mean? Like I'm here to help people if they want to change their relationship with alcohol. Like if you don't, I've been there and I honestly could care less, you know, don't drink and drive. It, I don't think right. it's good for you, but whatever. Anyway, that was a huge segue, but it's funny because like yes. that moment was like, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, dude, stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, well, just but that no judgment piece. I'm just, so meeting your kids, having it be New Year's Eve and, and that, I mean, Cheryl, we both 
share a, a adoration. Yeah, I love her absolutely. so much. I mean, she is the queen of creating a community of people to feel so good and easy. You know, it's amazing whenever she hosts those little parties that you just feel so invited and warm. So I couldn't imagine a better, you know, situation, but I, but I was really impressed by that. I have to say, so meeting your kids, going back to like this idea where, you know, for you and Mike, right, that you're creating this list together of like, when you think about them as 25 year olds, what are those life skills that are important to you? And not that we want to mold them into these kids, because that couldn't be like, that's like the opposite of conscious parenting, or positive discipline. But it really is about how do we embrace each one of these perfect little kiddos for who they are, their own unique self, their own essence, true essence for who they're meant to be, their massive amount of potential. You know, how do we give them these skills so that they can realize who that is for themselves and figure it out for themselves and, you know, have their own life, have their own life, you know? So going back to the restaurant, it's not about whether it's okay or not. It's saying like, what matters to us? And then I think it's being fair to the kids. It's not fair if sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't, right? Or sometimes they get it if there's a big group or sometimes they don't when their other friends have it. Or I had it last Friday, but I don't get it on Thursday. Or if it's always just kind of this little carrot or held over the part, that's where you get the whiny and the demanding and the like, yeah. but what about last time? And just like <laughs> the repetitive and the anxiousness, frankly, because kids are, you know, they thrive with the predictability, with the safety, yeah. with routine, with consistency. This is why Vegas is so powerful because intermittent reinforcement is the highest drug there is, right? It's like that new, we're wired for new, you know? So like having, that's why kids who are so bored start drinking, right? Because it's that new part. They're like, what? That's new. That's different. We didn't do that before, you know? Yeah. But when you and your partner can sit down and say, what's our rule about screens at restaurants? Yeah. What matters? And then that's what it is every time, no matter what, whether you're out to dinner, just the two, the, as a family or whether it's with your grandma or whether it's with the basketball team or whatever, you know, for us, we decided early on, I'll just share mine if you want to know what yeah. our rules are. I always find so them. Yeah, straight up, no screens before two. And that's just like a hard rule. And even we were on an eight-week road trip with a one-year-old. And still, I was like, and the other two kids had the screens. And I was like, and the youngest did not. So um, no oh, screens before, before age two. two. I thought you meant 2 p.m. Good clarification. Oh, God. Oh, God. But it's like, that's like the, like, there's like some drinking rules around the two. No, 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 no. no <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, right? right? Right, exactly. No, before the age of two. But then we love to go out to eat. And in our life skills list, it's that we want our kids to be great travelers. We want to be able to go out to restaurants with friends and have a long, luxurious, you know, meal and have a good time and not have them be running all over the place. So, and understanding child development and brain development, that's a lot to ask for a kid, you yeah. know, to sit there for three hours and have this whole Euro dinner. So, which we do a lot with our families. I have two sisters who don't have kids. And so there are a lot of big grown up long, you know, dinners, right? We love to eat. <laughs> so there's just these long, we call them these Euro dinners. So we say we have, we bring, every kid brings their own little kit for things to keep them busy, whether you're 10 or 14 or five. And then, and from early on, and then, and we all, we're total gamers. So we always roll with like, I always have a couple of games just randomly in my bag. So they, even if another kid has shown up and they've just got their tablet, we're, we're like, that's not our, we don't do that before dinner. And also because I want them to associate eating food, right? Part of my life skills list is for them to have a healthy relationship with food and with their bodies. And yeah. so 
just wanting to have mindful eating and being aware of how they're feeling while they're eating. So we say you can draw and play games and do all this stuff and right up until and order while you're order for yourself and through the meal. But once the meal is over and you've excused yourself and thanked the person who's paying for the meal or who made the meal, then then have a screen. Go for it. Have a great time because I want to stay in the restaurant for another hour and a half. You yeah. Know? Okay. That's super helpful. That's great. So that's what really what positive discipline is for me is like the firmness of just like, what is, what's the plan here? And it doesn't mean that it's like, that's forever and ever. Like have those conversations with your kids. If they feel like that doesn't feel fair, then be like, great, tell me why, you know, and how can we work to a solution? It's really about being solution focused without blame and solutions are related, reasonable, respectful, and helpful. So how is this solution helping, you know, and how are we inviting that autonomy for kids to be in relationship with us? Oh my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. And so I we're not is when you said like knowing what to expect so they don't feel like they can wear you down. I mean, or they're just going to like, well, maybe if I just whine enough for another hour, she'll get in because sometimes she does. Um, that does take away a lot of sometimes the, the issues. And I've definitely done it wrong. And I've done it right. I have done it wrong too. Of course, we're all human beings. I mean, that's how we learn. We learn through practice. Our kids are learning through practice too. But I think you hit on something, Casey, which is like that wear you down feeling where I think for a lot of your listeners that that's the, that's the part where you just feel worn down, you know? And so when you can lean on, you know, the routine of just, we call it let routines be the boss of just being like what's supposed to be happening. And then I think the big key here also is letting kids be disappointed, letting them be like, and it's okay. And you don't have to be mean about it. And you don't have to be like guilt ridden about it either. But just being like, the answer is no. And it's okay to be disappointed. And I love you. Yeah. 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 And really empathizing. I know I wish I could too. You know, or wouldn't that be awesome? And it's time to go to bed, you know, or whatever it is. Like, And then going back to connection, connection, connection. And I think when there are the full blown like, dysregulation and meltdowns. That's where I feel so, so passionate about having a positive timeout space or feel better spot or calm down corner, whatever you want to call it, name it, rebrand it, but really having that place for the grownups, for the kids 
where this is where we go when our lid is flipped and then how to, it has those, those things that we practice every day, the coping skills within it that help our brain get back to here. Yeah. I think that's so useful and helpful and good because the other thing too is it's like, and I want to talk about this. And I also, I mean, I want to talk about all the things I want to go through each age and all the things, but like a lot of times, you know, whether you are at home with your kids all day, which I can imagine is incredibly hard. I used to say like, yeah, I want to stop working, but not before Lila's five. So she'll go to school. So I'm not home with her all day, which I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but it is dead true. But, um, or so you're home with them all day, which is exhausting. If you have more than one kid, it's exhausting. If you have a neurodivergent kid, it's extra challenging sometimes. Although I know we want to talk about that as well. Um, but also if you're coming home from work, you're running late, you've got to jump on the computer and work again. After the kids go to bed, you're like, I'm exhausted and I need time for myself and I have this guilt and my kid, I mean, I used to, before I stopped drinking, like I would have wine while playing Candyland or building Legos because I was like, okay, I'm multitasking. I'm getting something for me and it's allowing me to like, dear God, are we really going to play Candyland for the 17th time? You know what I mean? Right. I know. And having, yes. And, and what you're doing is you're short circuiting that Jedi mind trick and that actually like bigger challenge of like, how can I deeply connect with my kids? Cause essentially you're just disassociating, you know, in that right. like moment of like disconnecting from the, the terror that Candyland really is like, you know, as opposed to saying, I, I mean, truly, you know, the, if we think about mutual respect and positive discipline or connection and firmness, if it is really that bad for you, like, Having that insight and really recognizing, I don't want to play this again. And guess what? You get to model that with them and say, we played Candidland yesterday. And so let's do this instead. And I think here's a big key. We think that we either, and I think this is true for both of those scenarios that you described. We have to just like be with our kids, playing with them or getting our stuff done, you know? And so, and they, and that they can't entertain themselves either. And so really embracing, I mean, again, through this positive discipline lens, this idea of inviting kids to discover how capable they are means inviting them into your world too and into their world. And so if part of your day, let's say the first scenario of being home, you know, in the morning, and so you've got the things to do, you've got to put the breakfast dishes away, you've got to start the load of laundry, you've got to tidy up the house, you've got to feed the, you know, feed or walk the dog or all these things, that rhythm of the day kids want to be part of, you know, so often we're trying to be like, get out of my face so I can do this or like, you know, push away, push away, push away. But if we go back to that Adlerian psychology that kids want to feel connected, they want to feel seen, they want to feel matter, like they matter, incorporate that, right? Like have them be a part of the rhythm of now we're going to put the load of laundry in and now we're going to feed the dog and really inviting them to be capable and do these big jobs helps them feel proud and connected and encouraged and a part of the day. And the firmness of when all these things are done, then we go to the park and having that routine of like, or our adventure day or whatever it is. And like Monday, we go to the park, Tuesday, we go to the zoo, you know, Wednesday, we go to the grocery store, Thursday, we go on our one of the vehicles around the house around the town, you know, we take a bus or whatever, like, really having this kind of intentional, like planning, because kids crave that, you know, and then that firmness of like, Yep. And when this is, and maybe they want to go 
Toddle off and play. Great. Awesome. You know what I mean? Then that's like growing that independent. Then you look at your little life skills list in your mind. You know, it's like, okay, they're there. They're being independent. They're like being so focused. They're problem solving. They're being creative. They're having fun. Awesome. I'm going to go, you know, listen to the podcast while I fold a little laundry. Or when we're, if we're working all day now, we've come home, like even more so, you know, it's like team time. Like we're all in the kitchen getting dinner together and we're, or they're organizing the, the, unloading the dishwasher while they're putting the little silverware stuff away or walking one plate at a time, you know, and really include them. And a lot of what we say in positive discipline is about connection before correction. And if you, and what Jane Nelson says is sometimes connection is enough, you know, sometimes the connection is enough. So if we find ourselves or you find yourself, like you said, I so appreciate that example of like having a glass of wine while playing Kinnyland, like just recognizing, you know, the, your intent here? Is it just to like get through it? You know, is it that multitasking part or that anxiety around that? Because you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this because I'm so stressed out about then having to like get dinner on table and all this other stuff. It's like, then just go do it. You know, like take out the middleman. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, especially when you get past like the first two weeks because of course you're going to want to drink in the first two weeks and the answer there is like lower the bar let the kids eat cereal go to bed super early ask for help like try to stay away from everything that's you know you need to build a bubble that said afterwards you know when someone's like, God, I really want to drink. My question is first, have you eaten? Because that's huge, like the blood sugar, the hunger, et cetera. But then like, why? What emotion are you feeling? Or what is the reason that you want to drink? And it can be like stressed, bored, overwhelmed. I really don't enjoy doing this thing, but I feel like I should. And so once you know what it is, there are other ways to solve for it, right? Like you're like, okay, here's what I don't want to do or here's what what is stressing me out or whatever it is. Okay, now that I know that, I like you said, I can make a conscious choice. I can decide to do a little of this and a little of that. I can go get my stuff done or I can ask to do something else. You know, all those things, it's like identifying why you want to check out. And And I think I can, where I can help is that one piece that that's pretty major that you mentioned, Casey, which is like, I actually don't like doing this. You know, I think that is a pretty big one, right? Of like, oh my gosh, actually parenthood sucks. Like, you know, which is what I hear from people, you know, or like, this isn't fun. Or I go on a vacation with my friends or or with my kids and it's like, it doesn't feel like a vacation, you know? So that part actually is where... I offer this, I like to use the phrase like finding the fun, you know, just like you would in any relationship, it's really unlocking and finding the way to connect. Find like how can how can you find the joy, you know, in this moment with this other person? And I think just from years and years of working with kids, I've always loved kids. I've always been that that kid. Ever since I was like Montessori wanting to take care of the little preschoolers and babysitting since I was 12 and, you know, all those kinds of things. But I think it really is offering, you know, this moment to like get to know your child, you know? And I think so often we, we come in like expecting one kiddo and we get a different one. We get a totally different personality or temperament or, you know, a kid that really challenges us. And 
finding those strengths, like almost like falling in love with them again, you know, like really drawing out the, their, that little spirit within and finding the things and I, that you can connect with them. And I can say, you know, certainly, I mean, all my thousands of students are, I, Every kid that I would work with, you know, I would have the real extreme ones at some points, but also I'd get to go and do full classroom lessons and things. I always was able to like find the strength in each student or like the cool thing about them. And what you realize is that when, you know, people feel better, they do better. And when you are able to really connect with them, it draws out who they're, who, who they really are meant to be, you know, and we, one of the things in Adlerian psychology is about encouragement, you know, that when, misbehavior is really a, um, a misbehaving child is a discouraged child. And they're not going to say, Hey, can you please encourage me? They're going to push back or yell at you or whine or cry or, you know, all those things. And so how can we encourage our children? Because when they feel encouraged, all of a sudden they are confident and helpful and sweet and funny and all these things, you know, so how do we bring out the encouragement and the motivation, you know, within them so that, we then get to interact with that kiddo more often, you know? Yeah. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Well, so can we start like at the various ages, both kind of where the kid is, you know, developmentally and some tips that a lot of times parents like aren't aware of or they're doing the opposite for a million reasons? Yeah. Like which age would would be helpful? What do you mean? Well, I'm just thinking like, okay, we talked about kids. I mean, birth to 11 is obviously a big spectrum. If someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I've got a two-year-old or a four-year-old or an eight-year-old, like you said, you know, understanding where they are and, and sort of connecting with them and, and helping them at that age. Can you just give us like the, the high points? For sure. Yes. So I would say, first of all, for all three of those ages, you want to create a visual routine chart. So, and I know people are going to like roll their eyes and want to press pause immediately, but don't do it yet. 
So it's, this is not about like, you know, stickers and check marks and point system and all that, but it really is. And I truly, we have a YouTube channel. I have a video of me doing this with a two-year-old creating a routine for whatever is your pain point, like whatever is the trigger for you. Maybe it is that like after, you know, that kind of five o'clock time or bedtime, or maybe it's just the morning because there's a lot of anxiety, you know, when you first wake up, whatever is your pain point create a routine with your child and really just say like, what are all the things that we do during this time? You know? And so for a two-year-old, they're very sensory oriented. And so just understanding that they are, they're, they're taking in information from a sensory place. They're looking at everything. They want to touch everything. They are, they're silly and funny. You know, when you head into the preschool land, they're really about imagination. And so the ways to connect with them is going to be through imagination. For the, for the eight-year-olds, they love jokes and riddles. And by that time, they are a full, fully cooked almost. Like, you know yeah. what they're into. It's Harry Potter or it's Star Wars or it's like spies or, you know, mermaids or whatever. Like, you know, so figuring out what they're into and then connecting with them about that, just like you would with another grown up, be like what their interests are, you know. But I think for those early ages, it is that sensory piece and that imagination part. So creating a routine that's visual. I can show you, yeah. Casey, because you can see me. Um, this is one when Leona was three, but we have just little Polaroid pictures of the different things that we do. Oh, and it says like dinner. What what else is on the list? Yeah, we've got like brush yeah. teeth, clean room, do a little housewalk. Practice music. She, this isn't that she takes piano, but her sister did. And so her sister, on her sister's routine, it's practicing piano. So she wanted to have it on hers mm-hmm. and book, potty and jammies and story and sleep. And, um, and so when you can make it with them, you know, invite that cooperation. And again, like you're doing this with all kids here, all these ages, frankly, then once you've, then you're, then you're a team with them. You're like, all right, what's next? What should we do? Right. So the firmness is like what we're doing. But the connection point are the transitions in between. So if they're actually at this age, not anymore, but she was, Leona was super into sound of music. So we would say like, okay, let's go, let's go meet all the Von Trapp children. Like, should I be Maria or do you want to be the captain? Let's go to brush our teeth. And then we'd sing the song while she's brushing her teeth. And then as she's getting her pajamas on, we're saying, oh, I hear the Von Trapp children getting ready. Let's get our pajamas on so we can go read books with them. Like, you know, any sort of those connection points to help you navigate from through the transitions. And when they're older, you know, certainly they're like more independent through the routine, but the principles are the same, which is that let them follow their own routine. Stop being so naggy, like get off their case, you know, invite them, be like, Oh, where are you at in your routine right now? Awesome. Hey, I meant to ask you like, what, you know, what Harry Potter, like what book are you on right now? Or where are you at? Like having those little moments in between to connect with them, you know, so that then they're, they're soft a little bit and then they're they're a little lighter as they're skipping off to go, yeah. you know, get their soccer bag together. Like thinking about those points in between. Um, and so I would say definitely, definitely like to start have a routine that's really that's visual, 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 visual. We have that as grown-ups. Kids need that. That's super important for executive functioning and allows you to back off and that you can be really lean into curiosity more and authentically, you know. Um, and then the other part that I've mentioned, you know, earlier is just this idea of really emotional regulation as a focus and culture in your home. And so starting at two, maybe it's just every time they 
fall down or they want something and they're having a total meltdown because you gave them the wrong, you know, color bowl or they want to play with a steak knife and you won't let them do that, that you are comforting them in the same spot. So they really have this association from that sensory perspective of I'm okay. I'm talking about feelings. You're saying to them, you were really scared or you really wanted that or that really hurt for you. That was really sad. And now I'm getting some comfort and, and then taking those deep breaths, co-regulating with them. And then once their brain is here, they're saying, okay, let's go solve the problem. There are two bulls here. You can, you know, there is a blue or a yellow. Which one would you like? You decide, right? That autonomy piece. As they get older, it's really having that designated place that, again, that you call like your feel better spot and tricking it out, like theming it. You know, my middle, who's the one that's super into Harry Potter and Star Wars and all of that was like, had a whole zombies phase. So she had her theme with zombies and also randomly a picture of Zac Efron that she was like, oh my God, you know? So, um, so really you're like, like, he's like 30 now, but we're going to go with it. (laughs) I know she really, at the time she really, she like, yeah, it was like high school musical. Yeah. Yeah, It was high school musical. And, um, and then my spot is my stoop out front and my kids know I have my gratitude journal that's right by the door. So I might grab that if my let us starting to But also that we then, this is key here, that you have that time, you know, every day that's part of that routine, that you practice one of those with your kiddos, you know, and again, it doesn't matter whether they're eight or five or two, that you're in that little spot, Leona calls it her meditation, and just picking something from your little kid or little basket, and maybe it's reading a feelings book, maybe it's laying down and putting a stuffy on your belly and taking some deep breaths together or doing a hot chocolate breath. Last night, Leona wanted to just draw out a little character and a feeling. So we would get, we guessed, like, I'm like, okay, I think it's Daniel Tiger and he's feeling happy. And then I drew a picture of myself and looking worried. And I'm a terrible drawer. So it's great because she like can never guess it. So then I just get to share about it, you know, just like the things that were like, I was worried about for the next day just to model that. And then I was like, oh, I'm feeling actually a little bit worried about this thing tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to visualize myself like totally rocking it. And then I closed my eyes. I took a deep breath. I kind of imagined it. I did it for real. And then I was like, oh, I feel better. Awesome. You know what's funny? So Lila and I have this thing and it's, I think it started because I stopped drinking when she was 22 months old. And so at the time I would take her up to bed and I used to like rush through it and be annoyed that she would cry and because I wanted to like get back down on the couch and drink my wine and watch a show and have me time. But when I stopped drinking, I needed to like this safe space. So I would rock her to sleep, like holding her for like a long time. I would just put in my earbuds and listen to like a sober audiobook or something. And her sound machine was on and it was totally dark and her breathing like that helped regulate me. And then I would just go to bed. And so I started doing that with her. And then, you know, I still do it. So I still put her to bed every night. She's almost nine. And literally, we got her a double bed. Like for years, I crawl into bed with her and we like hold hands and cuddle and scratch each other's back and like whisper sweet nothings, which she does to me too, which actually feels really, really good. And it is in that sort of dark room that I get, she tells me when she's anxious or she tells me, when, you know, is my stomach too big? It goes out, it doesn't go in. Or we have all these conversations, but at the same time, 
you know, now she like, I think being sober, like helped her see me doing like more healthy ways to decompress. Like she has an essential oils diffuser and she picks the different scents. And I was like really stressed about something. You know, we used to listen to like anxiety meditations for kids, but like, I was like, oh, I'm just really overwhelmed. I'm really stressed. And she'll either reassure me or she's like, mom, let's do a breathwork meditation, like for real. And she searches on her tablet she's like, or on my phone. She finds like box breathing on YouTube and we do it together. Yes. But I'm like, that'll serve her so well. And she also knows, by the way, that she always wants me to put her to bed. But on Friday and Saturdays, I'm like, no, I want to stay up later. I want to read my book or watch a show. I want to chill. I don't because I fall asleep with her a lot. So, like, she knows that my husband puts her to bed on the weekends. She always tries. And I'm like, dude, not going to happen. And because, of course, Mike's like, tuck you in, sleep well, he leaves. Like, which I, which is fine, you know? But we all want just, like, a little snuggle buddy, of course. And, again, it comes down to, I think, you know, framing that with positive discipline. It's like, it's is it working for you? You know, for all of this, I mean, this is what your whole mission is, is, like, is this working for you? Is this behavior working for you? Yeah. You know? And honestly, I wouldn't do it if I didn't also really enjoy it. You know, not every night, but like 90% of the time I'm like, oh, it's our special cuddle time. You know, that's me. And that's mutually respectful. If that feels that way for both of you, you know, and, and there's going to be different phases and stages too, as you, you know, and really like also being really mindful and cognizant that it's, it's not her responsibility to help you through that time or to make you feel good that it is this like, you know, co special time. It's your special time, basically, you know. So I think that idea, though, that you talk about, I mean, all these, you know, coping skills are so powerful. And when we when we just do them, that becomes, again, the water that our kids swim in. I mean, I, I don't make my kids meditate, but because they see me meditate, and I do, I mean, I have three kids, it's chaos. Like there's, I can't always have this like quiet Zen. I mean, sometimes they are, I'm still meditating as they're coming out and waking up and, you know, walking in the room or whatever. Like, I'm not like, get out. (laughs) I'm just like showing them what it looks like. And so, so I do have like my, you know, that's just part of their repertoire of skills. But I think where I offer through positive discipline of the connection and firmness with these younger kids is being intentional about it. Like, creating that menu for kids with what are those coping skills to do, teaching them about their brain. And again, I use that brain in the palm of the hand model. Oh, wait, what's which that? Actually, so this is, um, I know I'm like, gosh, I probably should have like led with that. But Dr. Siegel's model is the brain in the palm of the hand. And so, and I have a, in my download, um, free download guide that I oh, have wait, for so your So tell listener. us about the free download because um, you're going to share this and then tell me what's in it. So the Dr. Siegel, palm of the hand. Yes. yes. And so, so the, I'll share. So the, the guide that I have for your listeners is at com slash motivate. And it's a step-by-step guide for how to shift your kids from making them do what you want to wanting them. You're having them want to do, you know, it for themselves. So really, cultivating intrinsic motivation and for all those little times during the day, you know, how to see them, how to give them autonomy, how to help build those skills and then really have that connection as well. So I have really specific phrases that you can use, um, really understanding the intrinsic motivation research. 
And then I have a video of how to teach your kids the brain in the palm of the hand. So this is, again, Dr. Siegel's model. And if you, I'm showing Casey here and you'll see it in the video, but if you hold up your hand and you tuck in your thumb and fold your fingers over, so it's like making a fist, but your thumb is tucked in, that represents, your fingers represent the prefrontal cortex. And if you open it all the way back up, the middle part of your palm represents that fight or flight response, that deep autonomic part of our brain that's there for survival. And if you put your thumb in the middle there, so it looks like you're holding up four fingers, the thumb represents that limbic region of your brain. And that is that emotional epicenter. That is the security guard that's constantly saying, am I safe? Am I not safe? Am I safe? Am I not safe? And if they feel safe from all the sensory messages, everything that we're getting around us, you know, if I feel safe, then my prefrontal cortex is able to integrate and I'm able to access those kinds of executive functioning skills. So he uses the acronym FACES, which is flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable FACES. And think about that. If you're feeling flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable, you're having an amazing day. You're able to be emotionally regulated, plan, organize, attune to another person, listen to them, right? You're able to really be creative, come up with great ideas. But if your brain doesn't feel safe, and you're, then the security guard is like, boom, prefrontal cortex, go away. I say it's the wise leader in all of us, to my students and my kids. It's that wise leader is offline so that we can be here, right? That, that fight or flight response. And so this is the part that we're acting from. So when you were asking about neurodivergency, you know, this is the part for those kids that's really hard. It's that executive functioning, that prefrontal cortex part that is harder to access for them. And so, when for all this is this is why it's helpful for all kids when we can teach them about their brain it takes away that shame that blame there's something wrong with me it just says this is how our brain works it's recognizing that our certain things trigger us make our lid flip right and when we are here our only job is to regulate is to help our brain get to here say I'm safe and then regather so that we can integrate to the prefrontal cortex and then solve the problem. It doesn't mean that whatever has happened when our lid flips then they get to just walk away from that train wreck, you know? It means then we get to go back and see what was the problem, how can we fix it, what kind of repair needs to be done and let's role play, let's get it in our body for a new way to do it differently the next time, you know, what may, what happened when our lid flipped. So this applies to the sibling stuff. This applies to the three-year-old that's had the tantrum and just, you know, punched the dog and pulled the baby's crib down, like major stuff that happens, you know, or um, the really impulsive kid who's now, you know, completely like destroyed something. So all of that, we get to go back when they're feeling safe, you know, here. So, and this is key. The brain is developed. The brain has grown like a house from the ground up. So here we've got these little kids. Our prefrontal cortex is not totally wired until we're 25, you know, plus. So no wonder their lids are flipping. And we've got those mirror neurons, you know, all the time. So our job as parents is really to like help kiddos strengthen those prefrontal cortex strength and that, you know, neuro kind of forest that's in there by giving them lots of high reps, lots of high reps to think for themselves, to practice, to do those kinds of things on a daily basis 
when they're already feeling cozy and happy and you know in the green zone, the breath work, the talking about feelings, that's not just kumbaya. That actually changes the amygdala, which is that little part of the brain in that limbic region that is the radar to help our brain get back to here. So all of that work, I know it's a lot, but you know, by really empowering our kids, and I teach this starting at age two, I teach this to two-year-olds up, then that's the language that we can use with each other, you know, to say, oh, lids are flipping or lids are flipped. We, we're not going to talk about this anymore. We're not going to solve this problem until we're here. And we solve problems with words, not with, with our body. And then what are all these healthy ways to get ourselves back to here, which are the ones that we practice on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So question for you, I was mentioning like just... I have a client who is amazing. She's got a nine-year-old who has sort of some version of ADHD, OCD, anxiety, who was screaming for multiple hours, you know, the other night, which obviously is very, very hard to, um, you know, it, it impacts your nervous system. It's stressful. It's mm-hmm. stressful in your marriage, et cetera. I know you don't know anything about this child or or the family, but like what kinds of things when a kid's in that fight or flight flooded space around age nine, like, you know, what kinds of things could they do? Because I imagine it's very hard. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I would hope that it's like a signal that we've got to come up with some new solutions because screaming for hours on end is not working for anybody. And if a kid's doing that, that's because that's all, that's all they know at that point, you know, they don't feel like they have any other resources at that point. So certainly step one is saying that must have been like, so horrible and scary for you. That was, that was horrible and scary for all of us, you know, teaching the model of the brain, where was your brain at that point, right? Where, and then this idea of the sensory messages. So um, how can we change the environment to help support a kiddo that's super stressed and scared? And when you can look at that screaming as they are, their brain feels unsafe. You want to send as many messages or help to send as many messages to the brain to say you're safe here. And so that might mean turning off lights, turning different music on, starting the bathtub, getting them in some warm water, giving them a glass of water. Maybe they're then taking the water and throwing it and the glass is shattering everywhere, right? So then you're walking them into maybe a new space and you're setting up some of the cozy places. Maybe you're turning on one of those meditations. Maybe you're just physically taking those deep breaths yourself or walking outside because they will follow you. And so just change, doing that change of energy, that change of room is going to help them. I like to do a, an exercise, an exercise called 54321. So if my kiddo, which they've, it's happened before, is having a panic attack or totally freaking out, we do five, four, three, two, one. So I say five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste, and then repeat again. Okay. And I and I start by modeling it. Okay. Five things we can see. I see the branch. I see a pink dress. I see a lamp. I see my, my um, cup of tea. I see pajamas. Four things I can touch. And then help just doing that. And it really like you'll see kids... They're scared. And so they're trying, right? They'll try anything at that point. So walking them through kind of those patterning of just really that muscle memory getting in their body um, is what I would say. Yeah. I might even with a nine-year-old, I might just be like, let's go for, let's go. We're going for a walk. We're going for a walk, you know, and grab the dog or I don't have a dog, but 
someone outside, come with me, just really move it, move the energy, move the energy. If you don't already have that kind of a space established where, like I said, that you've practicing been practicing those fire drills so that when there's a fire, you know what to do. Yeah. So I would say, especially for a kiddo who has ADHD or anxiety or OCD or whatever it is, just like you would with a kiddo that has dyslexia or a kiddo that has a math disability, you're going to give that extra practice every day and you're going to be teaching them in the way that they can understand. And so it's teaching the kiddo about their brain. It's saying, because of the way that my brain works, this is the practice that I need to do every day to strengthen my brain. Mm -hmm. So I would have three times a day that you are practicing one of those healthy coping skills to just really settle the nervous system. I would have some sensory support. So for sure, after a long day of school, that's so hard have a whole menu of the things that they do to help regulate first before you're doing homework and those other things. Maybe it's going on the swing. Maybe it's doing the monkey bars. Maybe it's doing some heavy lifting somewhere or riding a bike. I mean, some sort of right brain, left brain connection stuff to help them integrate and just feel safe. And then, yeah. yeah. Okay. That is super helpful. Um, And so I know you also have a membership going on or starting because Obviously, when I'm thinking about people I know who are in those really tough, I mean, Lila's still eight, but like you said, I feel like she's pretty well formed at this point. I'm going to have lots of new challenges, but she's decently easy for me right now to deal with. But when you're in the trenches, I mean, I remember Hank, you know, everybody tells him to have a timeout, like put him on his step. And the kid was four. He was really strong. I couldn't physically, you know what I mean? Like I was just like, yeah, but also why would you, the reason is because why would you do that? I mean, there's, he's, he is the wise one in this moment being like, this is insane. Why are you trying to control <laughs> I know, me? Someone told me I'm four, that. you know? So it's right. It's not that he is that it was, he was especially tough. He was just a normal child being like, this is not okay. Yeah. You know, and like, I'm four. I might have a surgeon right brain development right now. And I'm also like wired to have my own control and autonomy and yeah. all of these things. Yeah. So yes. And I wanted to say also just one of my favorite things just for listeners, if you've made it this far, one of my favorite things to remember, a great tip for toddlers and preschoolers is the acronym SMILE. Faith Collins wrote a great book called Joyful Toddlers and Preschoolers, and she uses the acronym SMILE, which is song, movement, imagination, love, and exaggeration. So when in doubt, if you're just feeling like, oh my God, I am, I have tried everything. I can't like what, just remember smile. And if you sing a song or movement, like let's hop or race or, or picking them up and zooming like an airplane, you know, any kind of movement Or the imagination, you know, if you're like, let's go be ninjas and be super quiet or there's a whatever, or just that big love scooping them up into a big hug or the exaggeration like, oh no, I don't remember how to get my boots on either. Like that little bridge to connection for them turns their lights on. Suddenly they're looking at you, they're connected to you, and then you can lead them to whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing. So I wanted to just offer that little yeah. tip to your listeners too, for those moments that you are feeling super triggered. So yes, I have a membership. I've been teaching positive discipline classes for many, many years. A lot of times in this um, six to seven week cycle. So I'd get these cohorts of groups and they would just be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I'm already seeing changes. And then um, they'd kind of go off and it's sort of like learning a new language where then if you're not like, 
keeping it up, you know, then it's hard to keep going with it. It's like if you you take this seven weeks of Spanish and you're like, awesome, and you go on a trip and then you come back and you kind of lose it. So I would have these booster workshops, but really through Sproutable, I was able to create a big enough capacity to be able to support a group of parents year round. So I have a membership. It's only open um, one to two times a year. So it's going to be open now. I think the end of um, April, as this is opening, it's open now. And you get support through like-minded people who are all working and practicing these skills. The group is amazing. We have two live coaching calls or you can watch them recorded. It also comes with that six-week like strong booster class where you really get solid on the positive discipline tools. comes with a book club and a private community group where we support each other with questions in between and have a whole host of resources and library as well. And, um, and it also comes with some private coaching. So all of that is within the membership. And what I love about it is that I'm sure you, you know, in your line of work, Casey, you see this where there are the ebbs and flows, like some weeks we're doing great, you know, and like, and then there's something that changes There's something that changes at work, or there's a health issue or, um, or a new developmental stage, or like suddenly they're just starting kindergarten or whatever, you know, there's like something that happens that's like a whole, whoa, 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 came off my groove now. And so to be able to just have us at the ready is so powerful for, for all of us, frankly, myself included, mm-hmm. so that you just were always there, you know, and you can kind of come in and come out as needed. That's great. That sounds amazing. And definitely is something that I mean, I was sort of winging it when I was raising my kids, right? Like I said about the timeout on the stairs, like people tell you things and you're like, okay, I'm going to just try this. And then you're like, damn, it's not working. Um, And then you blame yourself or you get mad at your kid or whatever it is. So um, that sounds like it would be incredibly helpful. Um, Yeah. And I think also about like the time in between, because you like, sure, we can have all these tools and we can want to do these things. But like, when we don't feel like we are in a space, especially feeling so vulnerable and raw, you know, how can we get to a place of, of that confidence and um, stability to be able to access those tools? Too, well, and so. it, you know, when you are going through anything, I know this is true when stopping drinking, Um, it is so helpful to have this safe space where you can talk about what's going on with you and talk about what your challenges are and have people both suggest solutions, but other people just being like, oh my God, me too. That is so hard. My kid did X last night because, you know, of course we all have friends, but like everybody's putting on some posture of what they deal with or don't deal with. I mean, we all try, especially if you don't know someone very well to be like, oh my God, me and my kids did X, Y, Z yesterday and Jimmy's amazing. And you're like, my kid fucking killed me last night and I screamed at him and this sucks. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I mean, I had the benefit of like, whatever, I've always worked with kids. So I know, I know the reality. There's a reason we didn't have kids for a long time because John's a teacher. We're like, we know the, you know, but I think for people who didn't, who don't, who yeah. don't work with kids, who never, who never babysat was just like, yeah, we're gonna have a family, of course, like, can't wait to have a kid. And then suddenly they're like, oh, this is, these are kids, like, they are assholes, you know, I mean, <laughs> totally, like, and you think you're the only one, you think you're living in your own personal freak show. And so it is extremely helpful, you know, to have 
a group outside of your kind of keeping up with group. the Jones yeah. crew, you know, yeah. that is really a great perspective. And we have people from all over the country, which I love because you really get to like talk about normalizing it with people in other in other countries also. So it's really cool just to see like how just the humanity of it all, like the the common threat, the commonality with us all, and also the perspectives is yeah. like oh, it's so therapeutic. It's awesome. Yeah. So come join join our membership. Yeah, yeah, join the membership. I love Julietta. So if I had little kids, I absolutely would. And I think that you know everyone. I mean, there's a reason we drink. We have real challenges in our lives. And I've seen, you know, the this uh, meme or saying or whatever, which I love. And it's like, I need wine crossed out. And it's like, I need support. I need connection. I need love. I need cuddles. I need real conversations. I need a fucking break. I need someone else to do the laundry. Like, depending on where you are in your life, your kid could be the main focus of challenges it later, it could be your work later, it could be like empty nesting and loneliness. It could be parents you're struggling with, whatever it is, or financial, like you need support in your life. And so the best thing you can do is find it. Totally. And I also do private coaching and parent coaching too. And you know, just even just sign up for our newsletter, get that download, like just even being a part of like even tapping into a couple of videos on YouTube, like just that, if that's the start of this, that first step that you take on this parenting journey so that you can be that authentic parent. And I think one of the most powerful things that you can be with any child, whether you're a, a parent or an aunt or, you know, whatever, or a teacher is to be, is to show up consistently. Kids get scared when they don't know which parent they're going to get, you know, if it's going to be the, the, tired hungover one, or if it's going to be the like, super fun, wild and crazy one that's like, you know, and so I think what you know, what these tools help us do is help as help us be connected and firm all the time, you know, being a yeah. mom, no matter. Yeah. And I've heard o- often from women, you know, I feel like I'm a better parent when I drink, like, I feel like I'm more relaxed, I'm more fun, I have more energy. And what I've seen is, you know, when I don't drink, aka I'm irritated, I'm less patient, I'm XYZ. And what I want you to know is that is early sobriety. That is not sobriety, right? That is not life alcohol free. In the beginning, you are physically going through withdrawal, your nervous system is shot, your sleep is terrible, you probably have not slept well in years. Because drinking any amount of alcohol, including one glass, really diminishes your sleep quality. So yes, in early sobriety, you are more irritated. You do need to take care of yourself. But that really is like two, three weeks. After a month, your dopamine levels reset. Sober sleep is incredible. You will have more time and energy. You'll be less in your head. So it is not true that drinking makes parenting easier. I can promise you, I drank through my son's childhood. I took a year-long break when he was five. And then I drank until my daughter was two. So I have done two years old through eight years old. And my son has been eight through 14, not drinking. I can tell you, it is so, so much easier you will be happier. It'll be easier for you to to draw boundaries. And even my husband, I was like, 
what's it like with me not drinking? Like I was thinking he might be bored. I asked him when I was like maybe 30 days alcohol-free. And he said, it's just our house is a lot more peaceful. It's less up and down. You're less um, upset one moment and giddy the next. And when you said that kids really like to know what kind of parent they get, they're getting who who they're getting. Are you upset? Are you fun? Are you up? Are you down? Are you harsh? Are you relaxed? Um, not drinking will give that to you. It'll give yourself more peace, but it will also give your family a more peaceful feel. Yeah. And I think that the, what I said earlier about kids are good perceivers, but poor interpreters, like they pick up on everything. And even when you have little kids and you think they don't like get it or see it, like they are such sensory creatures. I mean, they're so sensitive, you know, they're, they pick up on just like all the, all the messages that are floating around with that, you know, as well. So, and I think too, that you mentioned something about like the hurry up and get to bed so I can have the me time, like get onto the couch and drink the wine and like, oh, you know, finally decompress. I think you find too, like, you know, both with your support Casey and with these tools that then you don't, it's not that you're not so depleted at the end. You're not like, needing that me time so desperately because you're so, you know, it's like you're able to be resourced throughout the day from it. You know, you are resourced from the routine, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm so grateful to Cheryl that we met, but also for that you came on, you have so much information. I know it's going to be helpful. Thank you, Casey, so much for having me. Thank you for putting your vulnerability and your voice out into the world to help so many people and so many parents. I appreciate it. I'm so happy to know you. I'm so happy to be friends. I know. I know. We have to hang out soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.